Tonight here at, at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue going through the, the teachings of the Bible, and, and tonight's message is on the book of Philemon. Um, this is a letter to Philemon that was written during one of the, Paul's stays when he was in prison. Philemon was, you know, a Roman citizen. You know, he was in Colossae, you know, who likely met Paul during his mission in Ephesus. And he became a follower of Jesus. Later, he was one of the Christians in Colossae, and, and Philemon became a leader. And most likely, it was his house that they had, were meeting, and he was one of the leaders there. You know, and in this household, he was a, a you know a patriarch in the Roman world. You know, and in that time, you know everyone would own slaves. You know, it was just normal for them to have slaves. And one of those slaves was Onesimus. You know, and he got to this point where there was this serious conflict. Somehow Onesimus had wronged Philemon, and we're not 100% sure in what exactly he had done, but in the stress and being overwhelmed, Onesimus ran away. You know, he escaped. You know, and I'm sure it wasn't easy for him to escape, but I'm sure that it, it took some, some working, you know, and I know in the times that I've wanted to run away, there, there's this mental battle that I'm going through that, can I do it? Should I do it? No, I should stay. You know, in his fear, he ran away. You know, and, you know, and we're not 100% sure what he did, but it must have been something pretty severe. For him to, to risk his life, you know, in running away. So often we have moments where we run away from God, you know, and some of us put ourselves in, in riskier places than others when we run. And, uh, I know that in the times that I've run from, you know, in my life, I always find myself digging a deeper hole, you know, and, uh, I would imagine that, you know, by, him running away from Philemon and running away from where he was housed that, you know, he was digging himself a, a pretty deep hole that was probably not in any way for him to, to ever come back from. You know, being a slave and not having money and not having family and not having any resources, you know, if he was caught, most likely he would have been punished pretty severely. But at some point, you know, and we don't really see how long he was gone. We don't really see the time frame from the time that he left Philemon to the time he shows up in prison. Now, he goes to visit Paul, you know, but so often when we run, we find ourselves in prison. You know, and maybe some of us have never been in a jail cell, but sometimes our mind is a prison that is an extremely dark place to escape. You know, and, uh, you know, as he came to visit Paul, he was appealing for help. He had nowhere else to turn. You know, and somehow he had met Paul, you know, most likely because he was with Philemon and, and being a, a personal slave that he had the opportunity to meet Paul. And somehow he was able to, to escape and, and head to prison. You know, most of us don't want to go to prison, but sometimes I know for me, when I ended up in a jail cell and after I finally accepted the fact that I was there and wasn't leaving, a relief came over me because 
my addictions and my running and gunning in the streets was over, at least for a moment. And, you know, I had to, to process the fact that I was now in a, a different prison, but it took me out of, you know, the streets, which in a sense is a prison in itself. You know, so, you know, Paul finds himself in this difficult, delicate situation. You know, so in this letter, he's asking Philemon not to just forgive Onimus, but to receive him back, you know, not just as a slave, but Paul is asking Philemon to embrace him as a brother in the Messiah. You know, and when we become in Christ, we're no longer slaves to sin unless we choose it. Paul's writing, I pray that this partnership that springs from your faith may effectively lead you to recognize all the good things and that are at work in your life and work in us. He's leading us into the Messiah. You know that see one of these key words is partnership. You know, as we read that, you know, in the English it's not as powerful. But in the Greek it's konia, which means sharing, this mutual partnership that two or more people are receiving something together and that they share in it. You know, that we all share in in Christ. That we're all brothers and sisters. We're all part of the same family. You know, and this is the point that Paul's getting to, is that we're all partners in faith. So Paul is saying that, that in this faithfulness to Jesus, it means recognizing that all followers are equal partners, that we all share together the gift of God's love and grace. You know, so often, you know, we, we think that there's this pecking order in the world and I would say that there is. And sometimes there's even a, a pecking order in the church. You know, and in all reality, Jesus sees us exactly the same way, you know, through the lens of his blood. You know, and that we are, you know, all children of God. But for Paul's experience of koinia, you know, amongst Jesus' followers, it's not just an idea, it's not something that sounds good that we just think that it's something that we do in our relationships. But Paul is bringing this up to Onimus, and he states that that because he is in prison, that, you know, he is now a child of Paul. That Paul led Onimus to the Lord, so even though he may have not have been a Christian when he left Philemon, he now was in the same family. So even though he may have been a slave when he ran away, he is now a, a child of God and a, and a brother in Christ to Philemon. So Paul's trying to lead, you know, Onimus to, to surrender his life to Jesus and, and dedicate his life and this allegiance to the Messiah. So Paul and Onimus are now family. You know, and he's trying to use this this terminology to to reach out to Philemon and help him to see that, you know, this is now your brother in Christ. You know, he's been serving Paul faithfully in prison. You know, and even though Paul wants to keep him around, he knows that there's some unresolved conflicts. None of us in here have any unresolved conflicts in our life, do we? Don't we love to run from stuff, or am I the only one? 
I think that we should get a Bible and a pair of track shoes when we get saved. I mean, on one term, we're supposed to run this marathon with Christ. And on the other side, we're still running from Christ. I hate to admit it, but it's true. Each and every one of us chooses, you know, this battle every day, at least in our mind. If we could only burn calories by the way we think, we could all be really skinny in Jesus' name. <laughs> yeah, we'd be re- our legs would be really strong. There'd be lots of miles. Anyway. You know, that there was something that I was taught, you know, is that, you know, Jesus says you're either with me or you're against me. You know, and whom will you serve? You know, and what I was taught is that there, there's really no middle ground. There's no Switzerland in Jesus. You know, and there's many days that we choose the wrong side of that equation. You know, that we're trying to force our will, we're running from Jesus. There's other times that, you know, we're on Team Jesus, we're like, yay, amen. You know, but, you know, what God started to show me, you know, it's either yes, Jesus, no devil, or it's yes, devil, no Jesus. There's no, like, in between. You know, and so often we like to be in between because we don't want to commit. You know, and, you know, in the beginning, it's like, is this a Jesus thing or is this a devil thing? Like, it was, I'm trying to figure it out. So I'm like, yes, Jesus, no devil, no devil, yes, Jesus. You know, and, you know, and God, and, you know, in his sense of humor, he moves me to noise street. But the way that you spell it is no yes. So every day I live on no yes street. So either I'm going to say no to Jesus and yes to the devil, or I'm going to say no to the devil and yes to Jesus. You know, and it's true for each and every one of us. You know, that we learn that we have to surrender our will, but that doesn't mean that I won't take my will back in a moment. You know, you know, we wake up and we're good, like Jesus, praise the Lord, give me a cup of coffee, we'll do, we'll be doing alright. But then by noon, we could have wandered pretty far from Jesus, you know. You know, and it's, you know, whether we go to work or stuff's going on at home, stuff's going on with your kids, stuff's going on in your finances, and how we handle those situations is either, yes, Jesus, I'll do it your way, or no, Jesus, I'm not going to do it your way, I'm going to do it my own way, because you're not doing what I think you should do. You know, and, you know, I've struggled in the past with his timing. Like, I've always known that God could, but it's when will he? You know, and so we believe in a God that can do miracles, but it's like, why are you delayed? You know, and so it's not really if he will, it's just the when that I struggle with. I don't know about you. You know, and I've had to learn that when my brain wants to help Jesus figure this situation out, I learn that if I open the door to my will, real soon I'll be saying, yes, devil, no, Jesus. You know, and I mask it, and I make it look real pretty sometimes. I have all the right excuses, and I can find scriptures to back up my story. And the truth of the matter is, is Jesus already spoke to that situation. I'm just not listening. La, 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 I can't hear you. You know, and we have to learn to, to put our emotions aside. You know, and, 
I learned a long time ago that my feelings aren't facts and my emotions lie, and, and where do I find truth? You know, I've learned in the past that, you know, going to meetings that it's intellect over emotion, but my intellect is pretty shot. You know, I've burned a lot of brain cells through the years, and, uh, you know, what helped me try to find some sort of understanding in this is that it's the fear of the Lord that begins all wisdom. You know, and the fear of the Lord, you know, I, I can find intellect because in the Lord I can get into His Word and His Word renews my mind and His Word gives me a plan and, a, you know, and His Word gives me strength and His Word lightens the, you know, my feet and the path before me, you know. So in His Word, I have to put His Word over my emotions over and over and over again because my emotions lie to me. And someone else that I, I know to be a deceiver is the enemy. So he loves pushing those buttons to my emotions, and my emotions flare, and I do everything to turn my emotions off. So I can't imagine what Onimus is going through, but I imagine that his emotions are on high alert. You know, as he's running from Philemon and he's escaped. Now he's an escaped slave in, in Rome, or in a Roman providence. You know, and there's military, and there's guards, and there's people on the street. That any given second, that fear's got to be spiking because he can be seen, he could be caught. You know, and he's just trying to do his will. He's just trying to, to do it his way. You know, and I can't imagine how long he was out there. There's no real reference to it. But at some point, he runs to the only place that he knows, and that's to Paul. And Paul represents Jesus. Now, he doesn't really realize what he's getting himself into. He's just trying to find, you know some sort of peace because he knows that Paul is the voice in Philemon's life, even probably authority, because Philemon's leading a church and Paul is the heads of all those churches in that day. So he's trying to, to, to manipulate Paul to get himself out of trouble, but in his manipulation, he runs into Jesus. How many times have we run and we run smack dab into Jesus even though we're trying to escape? You know... I know that we don't do that stuff. That's just this guy. But in his love and grace, you know, Jesus swallows up Onimus. You know, and, you know, in our lives, Jesus comes and gets us over and over and over again. You know, that we're not, you know, we don't say one little sinner's prayer and it's like, figure it out on your own. You know, that, you know, we're given a, a body of Christ. You know, we're given a church. We're given a word. You know, and the more we stay connected to those things and the more we, we spend time in those places or in that, in that book, you know, we, we find that He begins to direct our path. And I don't know about you, but I read my Bible and get convicted on a regular basis that I don't match up to Christ. I don't, you know, live the greatest Christian life in my brain, you know, and in my emotions, you know, there's lots of times I'm thinking things that I know I'm not supposed to, you know, but yet, you know, Jesus gives me the strength to surrender that stuff, you know, and I've learned to, to watch my tongue so that things don't spew out of my face that I regret, you know, and I, I've learned that in a moment of anger, I can say stuff that I can never get back, you know, 
and I've learned that my emotions need to, to, to come under and be a slave to righteousness. That my emotions can still lie to me and take me, you know, for a run, you know, and even though I'm trying to be escaping, maybe being a slave, I find myself in prison. You know, that, that as Paul is trying to, to pull Onimus into the family and teaching him who Jesus really is and, and showing him that you know, it's better to be dedicated to Jesus. It's better to be surrendered to Jesus, but yet we need to face the things that we run from. So Paul, you know, is trying to reach out to Philemon too, but he's sending Onimus back to Philemon. How often the things that we run from, Jesus sends us back to it. Right? I mean, or am I the only one that's like, I'm escaping. You can't catch me all, Jesus. Here we go. You know, and we end up right back at the place that I thought that I was trying to get away from. You know, so even in this unresolved conflict, you know, in our unresolved conflict, you know, Jesus is kind of like, hey, when are we going to deal with that thing? And we're like, never would be a good time you know but you know Jesus wants to bring healing to each and every one of us you know there's relationships in our life where there's conflict you know I know I have one you know and I can only really speak for myself but you know being a human and living on this earth I can imagine that most of us in this room have something a conflict with somebody don't we you know, that's just reality. You know, and some of these relationships can possibly get reconciled. Some of these relationships may not get reconciled, but God might want to be dealing with our heart. You know, so first, Paul's leading Onimus to the Lord and dealing with his heart, and now he's writing this letter to Philemon to deal with his. You know, so in this reconciliation, that because they're both followers of Jesus, Paul is boldly asking Philemon to receive Onimus back, no longer as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. And this is a tall order for Philemon. You know, being Roman law, you know, Philemon has every right to have Onimus punished, put in prison, probably killed. Like he could literally say, you know, I want him dead, and most likely it would, they wouldn't even bat an eye at it. So Paul is asking Philemon not to just forgive Onimus, but to welcome him back, not just as a slave, but as a social equal, as a family member. This has to be, you know, so crazy for Philemon to wrap his mind around as he's reading this letter. You know, because I can only imagine, and I'm, you know, kind of injecting myself in here, that if I was Philemon... You know, and I had a slave that ran away, and I would probably be looking for him. I'd probably let the authorities know that he took off. You know, and I'm probably pretty upset. You know, not only what did he do to run away, you know, maybe he stole something, maybe he said something, maybe he did something. We don't really know. But if I was Philemon, I would have something going on in my heart, would you not say? You know, I would be bitter, I would be upset. Is it alright that I can be a Christian and be bitter and upset? 
well, technically Jesus wants us to deal with that stuff, but in all honesty, I get bitter and I get upset. You know, I don't just walk around, praise the Lord, hallelujah, brother, you know, floating through the, you know, floating through reality, because that's just not realistic. Life's life. And we live in a broken, sinful world, and we deal with broken, sinful people that are in the church, not just outside of it. You know, and there's times that we go through life, and there's things that happen, and we get offended, and we get hurt, and we, sometimes we're right. Sometimes we're right, right? And yet Jesus is like, hey, let me in there. Like, if I let you in here, you're gonna help, you're gonna make me let go of it, and I don't wanna let go of it, I'm right! Do I want to be right or do I want to be free? Man, I want to be right. <laughs> Can I be right and free? Can we like make a deal here, like Jesus? Like, come on. Like, I read my Bible a lot. Does that work? Like, can I put some righteousness on there? You know, the stuff that I've accomplished lately. You know, I've prayed. I've got, like, pretty good church attendance. And, you know, I'm like a good Christian most of the time. Like, can I, can I be right? Can I, come on, I want to be right. Can I be right and free? Can I get my way and be free? Most likely not. My way leads to destruction. You know, and that's something that was firmly planted in my mind before I had Jesus. That everything that I try to do leads to destruction. Tom has a 100% track record of destroying everything he touches. 100%. There is not one time that I can think of that eventually it did not go bad. You know, and maybe you guys don't have that type of track record, but usually when we're not in Christ, most of us have a pretty similar track record of really destroying some things. You know, and I know that there's times that I, I want to force my will in Jesus' name. I want to pray and throw Jesus' name on it. I want my will to be accomplished and Jesus to give me the stamp of approval. And there's times that Jesus is like, no, there's another way to do it. And I'm like, I don't want to do it that way. I want to do it this way. And Philemon reading this letter has got to be like, Paul, you're crazy. But yet, the Holy Spirit is like, do you want to be right or do you want to be free? Because... I can hang on to an offense and be right. Or I can let go of an offense and be free. You know, and that's not easy. You know, I currently have an offense. And I pray, and I would openly say that I have forgiven this person to the best of my ability. But yet I'm not in proximity of said person, so then therefore I don't get tested in my said forgiveness. You know, so even in saying this and standing up here, the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, nope. And I got work to do. Can I be honest? I got work to do. You know, that Paul is asking Philemon to release something that's bitter, something that's angry. The Holy Spirit's jacking me up to do the same thing right now. You know, and it's up to us. I can choose it. I can choose Jesus' way. Or I can shut this door 
have a moment in the Holy Spirit, like, check, I heard you, la, 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 going to do it my way anyway. And I won't know what I'm going to do until I leave here tonight. Because I can say I'll be super holy and do it. But then I let my brain start thinking. And then I find all the reasons that I'm right again, don't I? You know, that Paul is asking him to free him. You know, that this isn't, this isn't normal. Forgiveness isn't a normal thing. You know, some of us have to release some things that have wronged us severely. You know, and Paul is, is stating this, this key word, koinia, that are we one in Christ or do we have a different Savior? Do we have a different Jesus or do we have the same Jesus? Because if we have the same Jesus, then the same word applies. You know, and you know, when we have been wronged, that person owes us something, right? You know, and so often the reason that we don't release forgiveness to somebody is because maybe we don't want vengeance, like off of their head. But I've spent a majority of my life where I, I wanted certain people dead. I'll just be honest. I had so much bitterness and so much anger and so much resentment that if I would not be satisfied until I heard that someone was being punished in some sort of way. I'm just being sort of honest here. You know, and Jesus had to get into that area of my life because that anger and that bitterness led to depression and led to addiction because I wasn't processing and dealing with that thing the way that I was supposed to. Now, granted, prior to Jesus, I had no ability to deal with that in the right context. You know, after I came to Jesus, now I have to receive and understand grace. But as a new believer, I didn't really get it. You know, so even though I was working on being forgiven and I, I didn't really receive that all the well in the beginning, because I thought that I had to earn it. You know, Jesus, you know, people were telling me that Jesus would forgive me if I asked him. And I said, well, no, he won't because I have to, I have to behave myself to be forgiven. And they're like, no, all you have to do is ask and he'll forgive you. And I'm like, no, I have to prove that I'm going to not do the things that I, I need to be forgiven for. Because I'm putting my self on God. And how often do we put our standards on him rather than letting him put his standards in us? You know, so God was dealing with this area of grace in my life. And I had to choose. You know, and I remember, you know, listening to worship music one night and, you know, there was a song by Jason Upton and, and he talks about let the pain go, let the pain go, let it go, let it go, let the pain go, let it go, let it go, let the pain go. Like he's just going at it for like seven to nine minutes. He's just like, let it go, let the pain go. You've been in a battle. You've been in warfare. It's time to let the pain go. And I'm laying there on the couch. I'm like, you know, I should probably let that pain go. <laughs> Like I had some genius idea all of a sudden. And it's like later on, I'm like, oh, the Holy Spirit got me. But I remember laying there and saying, God, I'm ready to let the pain go. And I remember this weight just got like lifted. And it's like sometimes I think that Jesus is waiting for us to respond his way. Like he could instantly like, boom, done. 
You know, and I don't understand why he does it. My little thing is like, you can shake your little pinky at that and make that happen. And, and it's like, but yet in the midst of that, my will is trying to be accomplished. And I don't understand why he does and why he doesn't do. But what I do know is that he's asking me to respond to his word. And his word is asking me to forgive. His word is asking me to release. You know, but there's times that I don't want to release. You know, and in the Lord's Prayer, it says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. And God showed me once upon a time that, you know, I have been stolen from. My innocence was stolen when I was molested as a kid. My childhood was stolen when my dad took off. You know, there was other areas of my life that were taken from me, and I will never get them back. There's, even if he could, my dad can't show up today and throw the ball around me as a teenager and teach me how to play baseball. He just can't give me that back. So I have to release the debt, or I stay in prison. I feel owed. You know, and what Jesus is showing me is that he took our debt. That wages of sin collected. There's a debt that we owe, and that the end of that story is death. We deserve it. You know, so in in what Jesus has done for us is he's paid our debt so that we could have freedom with God. You know, and yet again, we have this thing called life that doesn't go the way we'd hoped. And we, we have interactions with Christians and non-Christians. And there's times that we get sinned against. And there's times that we feel owed. But in all reality, I can't, I can't collect that from the person. I have to receive it from Jesus, realizing that He's paid my debt and the other person's debt. See, I'm real good at letting Jesus forgive me. I don't know about you, it's way easier to receive grace. But when it comes time to forgive other people, I'm like, no, 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 a little bit of suffering would be cool. But in all reality, Jesus wants me to release grace. Yay, Jesus. That's awesome. That's so easy. You know, but it's important that we realize that the the payment has been taken place. You know, for each and every one of us. And this is what Paul is leading up to. Is that, you know, he's asking there to be reconciliation between Philemon and Onimus. You know, Paul's message, you know, it's, it's like this legal transi- transaction. You know, he's asking for there to be the payment that sets them free because they're equal before God. You know, and they, sh- they share the same need for forgiveness. You know, that I didn't wake up today or yesterday or last week or last month or six months ago or a year ago sinless. I don't know about you. You know, so I I keep collecting new debt with Jesus. But yet, when I repent, His blood covers that. You know, and then I'm set free of said new sin. You know, said repeated sin. You know, I'm in the, I believe that I, I sin every day through my speech, through my thought, and through my deeds. You know, at some level, I'm not going to make it through this day perfect, I promise you. You know, so every day I need more Jesus. 
Like, I didn't wake up, have a sinner's prayer 13 years ago, poof, I'm good to go for the rest of my life. Like, I don't believe that. I believe that I need Jesus every day to forgive me for the wretched sinner I am, but I'm saved by grace. Now, am I the same sinner I was when I first met him? Absolutely not. You know, I have a whole area of stuff that I don't do anymore, and that stuff's completely under the blood, and I don't have any desire to grab a hold of any of that stuff. But that does not mean that I still don't do new things. You know, and there's still other stuff that Jesus is like, here, let me have that. And I'm like, I like this one. It's the only one I got left. Come on. What's the big deal? At least I'm not doing drugs anymore. Come on, Jesus. What's the big deal with Chinese food? Come on. But if Jesus is talking to us about it, it's a sin, right? Now, somebody else's sin, some of you skinny people can eat anything you want and it's not a sin. You know, we all have our own struggles, right? You know, and each one of us knows because the Holy Spirit's poking at it. That we don't need people to follow follow us around and call us sinners because the Holy Spirit is really, really, really good at it. Like He was like created to do that stuff. You know, and it's important for us to to let Him into the areas that we're still struggling because we still need forgiveness. You know that that Paul is basically saying that the cross there's level ground. That each one of us needs it. Each one of us is, is a broken sinner before God, and, and Jesus is the only answer. So he's asking Philemon and Onimus to come together, you know, and you know, and to relate to each other as Christians, because they have one master, that they're no longer slaves, neither one of them. That Philemon's not a slave to sin, Onimus not a slave to sin or to, to Philemon that they're brothers in Christ because Jesus has paid the price so that neither one of them neither one of them are slaves anymore. Jesus has paid the price that none of us are slaves anymore. Because we've been slaves to sin. And some of us still have areas that gotta get worked out and it still owns us. Just being honest. You know, and we have to, to put that stuff before Jesus and say, I'm I'm ready to do it your way. You know, and I think this area of unforgiveness is one of the areas that I know that I'm personally struggling with. You know, as much as I try to, to be all Christian-y and, and admit that I'm not, but it, in the honesty, as I'm up here talking about it, like I can't help the fact that the Holy Spirit's like, "Man, nah, 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 you look at you, look at, look at, look at," and I'm like, I'm crying in front of everybody. I think they know, so I need to forgive. You know, and I I hope that. You're understanding grace tonight as well. And just the, in all honesty, that I would probably imagine that most of us in this room have at least somebody that we need to forgive. Because we're not perfect Christians, are we? Thank God these guys said no. <laughs> that we're all in Christ's family. You know, that that in this new family, it doesn't matter if you're, you're Greek or you're Jew, you're circumcised or uncircumcised, you're a foreigner or you're uncivilized, you're a slave or you're free. You know, this is what Paul is basically throwing everybody into the same category. You know, it's that it's, we have one Messiah. 
We have one way to freedom. And it's through what Jesus has done. You know, and Paul is stating with confidence that Philemon will do even more than I'm requesting. <laughs> like, you know, Paul is being bold with him. He's like, I'm asking you to forgive him, accept him as a brother, but you know what? I'm asking you to bless him. Like, I know you're gonna, you know, and how much more is the Holy Spirit asking us to go above and beyond? You know, that we're to kill him with kindness, that we're not to repay evil for evil, you know, and, you know, but I want to be right, don't I? Like, isn't that like a thing? Am I the only one in the room that struggles with wanting to be right? I know it. So Paul is asking and requesting, you know, that he to prepare a room. He wants Philemon to prepare a room for him because when I get out of prison, I'm going to come to your house. <laughs> you know, and, you know, so this letter to Philemon, you know, it has this, it's this powerful, jam-packed letter. It's like, it's the smallest letter that, that Paul had written. You know, it's like one chapter and it's not even like a whole page. You know, and and Paul's just, you know, he's probably on fire. He's been fasting and praying for days. I don't know. Like, you know, Paul's just filled with the Spirit. Like, God speaks to him. You know, but in all honesty, God speaks to every single one of us, right? We have the same Holy Spirit. And we know and we're like, no, I don't want to hear you. And then we make up a bunch of things and we think a little bit too much. And then we're like, I don't know if I really heard him or not. And we have these defense mechanisms to not hearing the Spirit, except when our emotions really want to hear the Spirit, and we're like, I know that's God. I know I'm the only one that does that. But anyway, you know that we have to allow Him into these areas. So Paul is asking Him to, to go above and beyond. You know, that it's, it's interesting. You know, there's a, a few books in the Bible that, you know, don't mention things that we would say that need to be in biblical text. Like the book of Esther doesn't mention God at all. You know, and in this book of Philemon, in this letter to Philemon, he's not really mentioning Jesus' death or resurrection. But as he continues to, to write to Philemon, he's, he's asking, you know, if Onimus owes you anything, that I will pay it for him. That... You know, if he's collected a debt against you, just, you know, I'm good for it. He's paying his debt. Paul is willing to put himself in that position, you know, and it's an image of Christ. And, and that's the point that Paul is trying to make. He's embodying the very meaning of the cross, that he himself is willing to put him, himself in the place of Onimus, that he's not paying for his sin, but he's willing to pay for any financial debt or anything that he may have done to wrong Philemon. You know, and he's asking Philemon to be, you know, willing to take him in, to be reconciled, that they would be both brothers in Christ. You know, that Paul is, is giving the implications of the good news of Jesus in an extremely personal way. You know, I don't believe that our, our walk with God should be private. You know, that it's just me and Jesus. No, I, I don't. I don't see that biblically. I, I see that we are to be a body of Christ. That we are to be in one. Now, I know that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are mad, annoying. It, it's, 
I'm just being honest. Like, Christians are really hard to deal with sometimes. I remember as I'm getting saved, I'm like, you got to be kidding me, right? Like, the rest of my life with these people? And now I'm one of them. Thanks. Appreciate that. That's awesome. But in all reality that, you know, we're all family. You know, and family is the best at poking our buttons. You know, and a long time ago, I don't know where I picked it up, but, you know, we have sandpaper people in our lives. And they come and they rub those hard edges and they make us softer. You know, and I know I've been sandpaper to a couple of you and a couple that have been sandpaper to me. You know, and we all have people in our lives that seem have, they have like a, a Jedi mind trick ninja skills at poking our buttons, right? You know, and it's when we surrender areas of sin, surrender areas of our past, surrender certain pers- people and persons and, and lifestyles and, and relationships and sin patterns that Jesus' blood begins to heal those areas where those buttons are. You know, and as we begin to let go in forgiveness, that our buttons can't get poked as easily because those areas now belong to Jesus. So when people try to poke our buttons and it belongs to Jesus, it's like we're protected by the blood of Jesus because he's healed those areas or in the process of healing those areas. You know, and, you know, it's important that we're letting Jesus into these areas that we are no longer a slave to sin, that we're all family in Christ, you know, and that we're all equal recipients of God's grace, you know, and, you know, I see it, you know, you see it in Acts, but you see it in these churches, that there's this new type of society that's being birthed in these cultures, you know, that what Jesus is doing had never existed. Like what Jesus is asking them to do is completely foreign to everything that's going on around them. What Jesus is asking us to do is completely foreign to what this world is screaming at us. You know, and it's, we are way stronger as a body in Christ. We are way stronger together than we are alone, isolated, just me and Jesus. You know, the Bible actually tells us that if I stand alone by myself, that I'll be defeated by the enemy. That if I come in contact or I, I join myself with another believer, whether brother or sister, that we can fight off the enemy back to back. But if we come interwoven like a cord, three or more, that we become very strong and it's hard to break. You know, and it, it's so important, you know, that we realize that Jesus did this. Jesus had his 12, right? One of them was Judas. He doesn't really count. He's a sandpaper person. But yet he had his three. Wherever he went, he had his three. Is it a coincidence that he's, it's three or more interwoven like a cord is hard to break? So Jesus in his humanity, could he have sinned? Couldn't he have sinned? That's a, you know, a, a debate. Who cares? He didn't sin, right? And because he didn't sin, we have freedom. But yet in his humanity, he even asked his brothers to pray for him. How much more do we need to have brothers and sisters around us when we're struggling and say, will you pray for me? Jesus modeled it. How much more do we need it? I'm not Jesus. I don't know about you. Did you wake up Jesus today? So how important is it that we have the body of Christ around us? At least three. At least three. I'm not saying you have to have a hundred because that's not even feasible. We're lucky if we have two or three really good friends. In all honesty. 
You may have a thousand on Facebook, but how many of those people really know what's going on unless you're one of those type of people that post all your stuff? And if you are, I've unfollowed you. I just want you to know. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about because I don't want to hear your nonsense. If you call me or you message me and you ask for prayer, I'll be happy to pray for you, but I'm not following that. Why? Because you're not my friend. I don't need to see your dirty laundry on social media. That's just a free plug for any of you that feel the need to do any of that. But anyway, each and every one of us need brothers and sisters in Christ. If Jesus modeled it, how much more do we need it? And some of us in here don't. We don't have people that are close to us that we've been betrayed and we've been hurt and we've closed ourselves off. And you know what? It's normal. However, Jesus is asking us to forgive. And maybe the person that we need to forgive isn't in that three. Completely understandable. We need boundaries with toxic people. However, we need people that are safe, that come along next to us, that we can say at any given moment, will you pray for me? And they have a really good idea what we're asking prayer for because we've been in communication with each other. Does that make sense? You know, I don't believe that we're supposed to let everybody know exactly what we're going through. I don't think that's safe. But I do believe that we should have a couple trusted, real close friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, to have a pretty good idea what we're going through on a day-to-day basis. And it doesn't mean that we got to talk to them for hours every day. But we are communicating on the regular. You know, that it's important that we believe that we're the body of Christ and we're stronger together. That that in this in this that the church is built, that the church is planted, and, it, and hell can't prevail against the church. That none of us, even though we are called to be the church, that we're also called to be the body of Christ. That I cannot push hell away on my own. However, us together can. I absolutely believe that that GZM is is forming this little church that's reaching into the depths of hell. And some of us have walked in hell a long time. Some of us in our brain has been in hell recently. You know, and it's important that we're letting people know where we're really at. And in this, something is being birthed that's different. That it doesn't matter our race, it doesn't matter our gender, it doesn't matter our our social or economic class, that we are all in Christ. That we're all children of God. We're all equal in His eyes. That we're partners in the, in the same war. That we share in God's healing mercy through Jesus Christ. I just want you guys to, to bow your heads with me right now. You know, and I can't escape the, the moment. Now, I believe that each one of us needs to take a moment and ask Jesus into that area that, you know, needs maybe forgiveness, area of sin that you've been struggling in. I don't know what it is, but you do and so does he. So we can't escape this moment in the sense that he wants to move. I believe that if we let him into that area, it'll bring freedom. Our ego, our pride might be hurt, but freedom would come. And I want more Jesus. And I believe that you do too. So let's just take a free, a few minutes, a few seconds, sorry, and just let him into that area. Jesus, I just ask that you would bring healing.
that your light would come into our darkness, your presence would come into, you know, the areas that we're struggling, whether it's in our heart or our mind or both. Lord, we, we ask that your presence would come and we give you complete permission to walk us out of the prison that we might be in right now that has nothing to do with bars. Lord, help us to, to find freedom from areas of sin, sin patterns. Help us to find freedom of unforgiveness, bitterness. Help us to, to find freedom because you wiped our sins away and, and we have to learn how to extend grace. And it's not easy. I know it's not easy. It's not easy for me. So, Lord, we need your strength. We need your power. Your word is true, Lord. And when we respond to it, Lord, freedom comes. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray that if reconciliation can be a thing, Lord, that that you would give us wisdom and help us to take a step in that direction. Lord, if, you know, those people that we need to forgive are still doing some toxic things or harmful things or sinful things, Lord, that you'd help us to to have boundaries and, and not be affected by their actions, even if it's the same action that I'm trying to forgive them for. Because I know that I've asked you to forgive me of areas that I continue to struggle in, and yet you've extended grace to me time and time and time again. So Lord, help each and every one of us learn to be a little bit more like you and, and learn how to extend grace in other people's behaviors don't change. I know that's a really difficult thing for each and every one of us. I know it is for me. So, Lord, I pray that you would guide us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.